The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra Icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Nothing much. Uh, you know, Happy New Year, Happy 21. Uh, got a, a lot of been going on in these first 12 days of the New Year as we record this. So uh, let's get into it and sort it all out. This is Another Score. You can find us on the web at cspn.us. You can also find us through uh, your podcast app. All you have to look for is KTS-POD, and you'll get the new episodes of Another Score each and every week in your podcast queue. Um, So, Dwayne, we're coming off of Super Wildcard Weekend. Uh, We'll start with Buffalo. Where the Bills got their first playoff win in 25 years, 27-24 over the Colts. A game that looked like the Colts were in command of uh, in the first half. Um, They uh, went for it on fourth down late in the first half. Didn't make it. Kind of gave Buffalo a spark. They went 94 yards and scored a touchdown. Kind of got themselves rolling after that. Colts still had a chance to try to get in the field goal range late in the fourth quarter, uh, but they couldn't get any closer than midfield. And so Phillip Rivers and the Colts come up short, 27-24. The L.A. Rams defense, they shut down Russell Wilson and the Seahawks for a 30-20 victory. Uh, Russell Wilson's numbers were atrocious in this. So were Jared Goff's, but he wasn't expected to play. Uh, he's still dealing with a broken thumb. Both defenses played well, but the Rams scored on defense and caused a couple more turnovers. Uh, Tom Brady, he gives Tampa Bay their first playoff win since their Super Bowl victory over the Raiders with a 31-23 win over the Washington football team. Uh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking for this host of this show right here. Lamar Jackson comes back from a 10-point deficit for the first time in his career to beat the Titans, 20-13. The Saints defense dominates the Bears to get the 21-9 win. (sighs) Shout out to Jates the Max. And in the shockers of all shockers, the Cleveland Browns scored 28 first-quarter points to shock the Pittsburgh Steelers at home, 48-37. All right, Dwayne, so uh, which game would you like to start off with first to talk about in depth, and then we'll kind of bounce around and get some th- your thoughts on, you know, how the weekend went. Let's just keep it in order and start with Buffalo and Indianapolis. And we'll just go. We'll just keep it in order. Might as well. Um, so for the – for this game um, – Josh Allen has grown by leaps and bounds. Uh, he's definitely 
been more accurate, which has been the biggest knock on him since he's come into the league. And he has definitely made himself a more complete quarterback. And the thing is that even though he hasn't done it as much this season because he really hasn't the need to, we forget Josh Allen can still scramble with the best of them. So um, having his improvement, having Stephon Diggs on on the outside, you have some great blocking. You have uh, Singletary in the backfield. Uh, this is a very dangerous Buffalo team. I know we have said we've sang their praises for the uh, most of the season, but yeah, this is a, this is going to be a very tough out. Um, I think you know with the Ravens coming to town for the divisional playoffs, that's going to be one heck of a matchup. Um, I really was. I really was impressed with with uh, Buffalo's uh, performance, and it kind of now brings a question for uh, Philip Rivers. I mean, he signed that one year, twenty five million dollar deal. What does the future hold for him? Is is he going to re up? Is he going to go elsewhere? Is he going to retire? So, you know, there's so many questions for uh, Phillip Rivers as well uh, for the Colts. Uh, I think that fourth and one did kind of make the, the difference in this game. Uh, well, I said we were going to go in order, but since we're on the subject of fourth and one, uh, Pittsburgh got back into this game with Cleveland. The momentum was really on their side, and Mike Tomlin overthought this fourth and one. Uh, the Browns were in the middle of a shell shock, and Pittsburgh had all the momentum in. Uh, I guess Tomlin might have overthought the fact that his defense was playing a lot better and he thought they could stop him, but that really turned out to be the turning point in that game. Um, and that kind of derailed any momentum Pittsburgh had and after Cleveland scored several more a few more times after that game after that uh, decision and ultimately won the game um, I will say this though the one time I decided to throw support for the Tennessee Titans they let me down and I definitely, you know, people here in Nashville, coworkers, uh, people that live here, Titans fans across the board, just kept telling me this is we, this is the, this is the season, this is us, this is what we're gonna do, blah blah blah. And sure enough, they. Lay an egg, um, and it was a rotten one. Derrick Henry, two thousand yards in the regular season, beasting on everybody. Only gets forty on eighteen carries. Um, Ryan Tannehill looked like he was in Miami again. 
Uh, Mike Rabel punted in his own territory. So this is kind of like, there's a recurrent theme right now in, in the games we review. There are some bad coaching decisions in this um, in this uh, situation. Uh, like coaching situations, I know they get paid the bucks. They have the experience. And I just see that um, there was really no, there's a lot of overthinking in this, uh, in these uh, coaching decisions. Um, the Rams, uh, the defense for the Rams was, they did everything they needed to do to Russell Wilson to uh, keep him hemmed in, not let him get out. And uh, as a result, Russell Wilson had a ton of bad, bad decisions. So, uh, shout out to the Rams for their win. Uh, nice reward though, going to Lambeau to take on the Packers. Um, let's see, we got two more games: the Bears and the Saints. That game uh, was on New Orleans, uh, in Chicago. The one thing I will say is that Chicago made it more of a game than I thought it would be. Um, I think the lack of a full capacity uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome did help the Bears out a whole lot. I think if it was a crowd, it would probably been uh, a lot worse than what it was. Uh, I think the nerves, the big moment of being in the playoffs kind of overwhelmed Mitchell Trubisky a little bit. And he made throws that he probably shouldn't have, and he missed throws that he should have made. Uh, and I tried to I tried to do the Nickelodeon, try to see how that was, but that was basically football 101 or even football 099. Uh, but uh, it, that's good for the growing of the game, but you know, teaching the youngsters to play the right way. So I can look at it like that. And the slime graphics were pretty cool. And then seeing Sean Payton get slime was pretty funny as well. Um, my condolences to you, Don, on this uh, loss for Washington. But they made it more of a game that a lot of people gave credit for uh, in the battle of the... Uh, youngster versus the the vet. The vet ultimately uh, pulled it off, but there was a lot of there's a lot of hope for Washington. Uh, Taylor Heineke, Heineke did a surprisingly very good job in just a second career start, and for a second career start to be a playoff game. In a big moment like that, it's pretty remarkable. So, um, Washington, I think if they can get some good pieces in play, uh, they can they can definitely do some more damage and ultimately also have a name by the end of the year, except for aside from football team. Yeah, um, it was a. Um, uh, Difficult situation to begin with, with Alex Smith being out on Washington's part. 
But Taylor Heineke came in, showed poise, um, led the team to uh, three touchdowns and a field goal drive. Unfortunately, they did not get the play they have been getting all season from the defense. Uh, they uh, had their worst game of the season statistically and scoring-wise. Um, so I think that was kind of the what people thought would make the game close would be uh, Washington's defense getting to Tom Brady. But I could tell after the really the second drive of the game that we weren't really going to have a lot of success at generating a pass rush against Brady. Um, they were trying to do some new things in coverage, and it cost them a couple of times. Um, so um, just a, a disappointing effort by the Washington defense uh, all around uh, from my point of view. Uh, very impressed with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I'm glad that they did not succumb to um, – what most people would have thought they needed to do uh, once they got down 10 nothing, which was try to overextend themselves, throw the ball too much. Um, they stuck with Lamar Jackson, running the football, um, taking their time to get back into the game. And uh, ultimately, it proved to be the right formula as uh, they got themselves right in the uh, you know second quarter on through the rest of the game. Uh, Lamar Jackson gets his first playoff win, so good good for him. Um, I think that Cleveland's first quarter was very impressive. They were kind of leaking, holding on the rest of the game just because, I mean, they got out to such a big lead. You know, all they basically were trying to do from the first quarter to the end of the game was just let the clock run out. And like you said, Pittsburgh kind of started snatching the momentum up. But, you know, like another questionable coaching decision, um, you know, people putting a lot of trust in their defense uh, when maybe their offense had the momentum. And like you said, Tomlin maybe let one get away there when he kind of had Cleveland reeling. And uh, just very impressed with Josh Allen, uh, like you started the show off with. I uh, thought that he played fantastic. Um, he almost had another one of those what-are-you-doing moments when he fumbled that football. But they got it back, and uh, he, you know, guided them in to get that win. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be very tough to go to Buffalo and play, man, especially if, you know, the weather turns uh, this weekend up there and they get any type of precipitation or just bitter cold and wind. Uh, like you uh, kind of said, the divisional matchups are this. The Rams are going to travel up to Lambeau to take on the Packers, the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. The Bucks and the Saints are going to meet down in New Orleans. This is going to be the third matchup for Brady and Breeze this year. The Saints have dominated the Bucks in the two previous matchups, so we'll see if the third one is any different. Uh, Cleveland is going to go out to Kansas City to face the number one seed in the AFC, the Chiefs. And Baltimore is going to travel to Buffalo. I think that Baltimore versus Buffalo game may be the most entertaining game of the year. Um, you have a quarterback in Josh Allen who had came into the league with the reputation of being able to run and has 75 career rushing, has something like 25 career rushing touchdowns or something like that. And, um, you know, shaped up his passing game versus Lamar Jackson, who is, you know, got the running part of his game down and is trying to shape up the passing part of his game. So it's kind of like, you know, Spider-Man meme uh, with those two quarterbacks coming into the game. Uh, what matchup are you looking most forward to at a divisional weekend?
I'm looking forward to the uh, Baltimore Buffalo matchup. I think that's going to be one of those uh, games that's going to be very entertaining for those exact reasons that you did say. It's kind of like uh, mirror images of Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, uh, Spider-Man meme uh, situation. So that game, I'm definitely looking forward to the most. Uh, one other, the other one I kind of want to see too is is um, uh, Baker versus Patrick in Kansas City. Um, how the how the uh, Browns will fare against the uh, Chiefs? Uh, will uh, Kansas City be prepared, or will um, Cleveland uh, continue their uh, journey into the AFC title game? Um, and uh, definitely would love to be a great story for Cleveland, uh, but definitely got to go to be the champs. You got to beat the champs. So this is their biggest test. Of- Cleveland, in theory, has the components to pull the upset. But if they're going to go the route, of ball control, run the ball, make first downs, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, try to decrease his possessions by maybe two or three in the game. They can't kick field goals if they get into the red zone. They have to score touchdowns. And if they don't do that, then it's cool to control the ball for all that time. But guess what? Kansas City is going to score touchdowns when they have the ball. And so, yeah, and so, you know, you may have a eight or nine minute advantage in time of possession and still lose the game by two touchdowns. So if they're going to go ball control, the whole thing you got to do is you got to score touchdowns when you do that. Um, I'm going to be looking forward to also uh, Aaron Donald uh, tore some rib cartilage in the game against Seattle. Uh, so gonna, it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be at 90% or so to go against the Packers. Uh, the Rams do have an awesome front four that can get after Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we saw in the uh, Tampa Bay game that if you can pressure Aaron Rodgers quickly, that you can get Aaron Rodgers off of his marks and make him throw a little bit off target, and uh, he might throw you one or two picks. So it's going to be very interesting to see if that Rams defense can step up uh, going into that cold at Lambeau Field and uh, get the job done. Uh, with the end of the season, there's always coaching vacancies, and, uh, you know, Black Monday has come and gone. So the openings are Atlanta, Jacksonville, Detroit, the Jets, the Texans, and the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll talk about the Eagles first. Uh, firing Doug Peterson three years after a Super Bowl win. Uh, basically, this is the fallout from the last game of the season uh, where uh, somebody made the call, whether it was Doug Peterson, whether it was Top Brass, to take out Jalen Hurts, put in Nate Subfield, so they would ultimately lose the game versus the Washington football team, allowing them to make the playoffs and allowing the Philadelphia Eagles to pick sixth in this year's draft and not 10th. Um, there had been some speculation back and forth that Doug Peterson may be on the hot seat. Uh, of course, with Carson Wentz and the way that, that he's been dealt with this year, the relationship between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson being broken. 
Um, was this a surprise to you, or did you kind of, after the fallout from a couple of Sundays ago, kind of see that maybe Doug Peterson might have to be the fall guy uh, for what the organization pulled a couple of weeks ago? And I think this was this was coming. I think all the parties involved kind of knew uh, this could this could happen, and and uh, I think it was just more surprising that they actually let uh, Jeffrey Lurie went through with it. So um, I think for the for the Eagles, uh, I. Th- it's going to be a very interesting off season. I, I think the biggest difference between uh, Doug Peterson and what well, Doug Peterson had vision and Jeffrey Lurie's vision, I think the Doug Peterson wanted to keep the band together. That core group from the Super Bowl win. I think that kind of hampered the um, the growth and development of of other players, and I also think that after a you know after everything that went down this season uh, with uh, Wentz's poor play, uh, the rise of Jalen Hurts, things of that sort. I think this is where Jeffrey Lurie was kind of looking more towards the future. And uh, with whoever uh, is available at number six uh, could be a franchise cornerstone and looking to win bigger in the future is the priority for uh, Jeffrey Lurie. So I think those, those two philosophies became a problem. And ultimately, that was the decision to go in a different direction. Um, so, and then you can also factor in what happened with the with the uh, game two Sundays ago. I mean, for that to happen on a Sunday night in front of a national audience with you know basically throwing the game in a sense. Um, it looked like it was just a, not only just a white flag, they just threw in the towel on on the game, they threw in the towel on the rest of the season. And, you know, with all the speculation and the anger from the Giants and things of that sort, even though the Giants lost 10 games and had no business being there to begin with. But that's another story for another day. Um that's really those factors into this uh, situation, this uh, decision. So I think it it can be a good move. Uh, I think this is where the Eagles could be just focusing on a rebuild and building around Jalen Hurts. And we'll talk about the Houston Texans. A lot of drama coming out of Houston uh, right now. Uh, Deshaun Watson, not very happy. Uh, with the way uh, the organization is being ran from a football standpoint. Uh, ownership uh, looks like they had gave him some 
promises or at least told him that he would be in the loop as far as the direction that the team would go and hiring their general manager and then their head coach. Um, and it seems like none of that has been followed through upon. Um, uh, they're going back to New England to uh, try to see if they can get it right again. They're hiring Nick Casario to be their GM. Um, they haven't decided on the coach yet, but Deshaun Watson is highly upset. Uh, he is maybe seeking a trade. There's been rumors that he may ask for a trade. Um, but right now, things do not look very good uh, coming out of the football operation part of the Houston Texans. Uh would do you in your honest heart of hearts think that the Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watson if he persists on keeping this up through the offseason? Yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, this is if this can if this continues, this is it's inevitable because. He made the tweet that said some things never change. And because he the and the Texans have been trying to be New England South basically since two thousand two when they came into the league. And they've had several personnel with the team that was associated with the Patriots and it's never worked and Cal McNair I mean he took the reins over of the team when his when his dad passed away and I think honestly he could be in over his head he fired a search firm that that uh gave a couple candidates that Deshaun Watson was happy with. And if he and if he uh, reneged on what he told Deshaun and then listened to uh, Jack Easterby and hired Nick Casario, then you know, these are a whole lot of things that were said that you're not following through on it. If you're not, if you're an organization, you have to, you know, what makes a great organization is, of course, any behaviors tolerated from the top on down, right? So, with that being said, if the ownership and the main executives are not keeping their word, why should why should uh, Deshaun trust this organization? And he's uh, he's on vacation, according to uh, Cal McNair, when when he tried to reach out to him. But I just don't see the I just don't see this team keeping Deshaun Watson. Um, and Andre Johnson has even said that. He weighed in on the situation, and he was in full support of Deshaun Watson. And, and uh, he said that he said that Easterby couldn't be trusted. And of course, DeAndre Hopkins followed up and basically said, "When Andre speaks, everyone listen, because you know Andre Johnson don't say that much, 
But when Andre Johnson has something to say, you got to listen to what he has to say because he's probably telling the truth. So, um, this is our world. The Texans are a world mess. I thought, you know, there's some dysfunctional franchises out in the NFL, but uh, what the Texans have going on right now is a huge mess that definitely needs to be cleaned up and cleaned up fast. Yeah, um, there's a Jack Easterby seems to be the main culprit here. He's a upper ranking official who's come from New England a few years ago, and he seems to have uh, Kyle McNair's ear, and he seems to be the one that Kyle McNair is trusting above the search firms, his quarterback, and maybe his own best interest right now. Um, as a football organization. Uh, so, yes, there's a lot of drama to be played out uh, in Houston through the offseason. One last question before we get out of the NFL. Um, just which one of those jobs would you deem the most attractive if you were a first-time head coach like uh, Eric Bieniemy? Where would you choose to go for your first coaching job? Wow, that's a good question. Um, see, here's the so the and I want to break it down, kind of. I mean, you have Atlanta, who's kind of in the purgatory right at the moment, because what are you going to do with Matt Ryan, and are you going to re? Tool or rebuild. I think the Falcons, they got first to get a GM and then they need to work on the head coach. So I wouldn't say Atlanta's that attractive. Um, let's go. Let's, Jacksonville would probably, I want to come back to Jacksonville. Um, I think that probably is the most attractive one of them all. But I'm going to kind of go back on the in a second. Detroit is an attractive. Detroit is not that bad because, I mean, they're kind of in the same situation as Atlanta. You got a quarterback who's been there a long time. Uh, Is it time to move on from Stafford? Uh, At this point, how many uh, many years of Matthew Stafford does he have left? is being in Detroit worth it for not just the team, but for him himself. Maybe he's greener pastures and a new change of scenery to kind of get himself back on track. Um, the Jets, I say that Sam Donald is, he may not be up the woods yet, but he's got to be relieved that the Jets don't have the number one pick. Uh, giving him up maybe for a second or third rounder. I know the value of the value has dropped tremendously over the years. Uh, he still has still has first round upside, but uh, he's definitely down in the second or, or third round. You could trade him for that and maybe find a gem in another in other places. Um, let's see, we had Atlanta, Detroit, Jets, 
You're down to Houston uh, and then back to Jacksonville. Yeah, so Houston, uh, we already touched on that. They're a real mess. I, I wouldn't touch them with a six-foot pole. Uh, Jacksonville would probably be the best one here because it's a clean slate down there. There's They need a general manager. They get a good – if they get – a good first-year head coach like uh, the enemy or Robert Soleil, uh, defense coordinator of the 49ers. Um, and then you have the number one pick, should Trevor Lawrence leave school. You have your uh, franchise quarterback. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Jacksonville has the number one pick. Um, you know, and if Trevor Lawrence for uh, his reasoning, I mean, whatever reason he has, he has every, he's in control of the situation. Um, you know, he can either go on ahead and go to the senior bowl or go to go to the uh, well, he's definitely coming out. He made the uh, announcement over his uh, Instagram or one of his social medias last week. So it's not going to be one of these. I don't think it's going to be one of these hold the team uh, in the, 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 the Eli Manning type of deal where forces way to go where he wants to go. I think Jacksonville, it's close to not too far from where he grew up and where he's from. So he can basically play in front of his friends and family for, you know, his career. I think that he's, uh, if the scub, but it's true and they're trying to get Urban Meyer in there, I think, like you said, he may be landing in a good spot uh, where he'll have, uh, you know, a clean slate with his coaching staff, front office, and everybody that'll be 100% in with him and, um, you know, do everything they can to help his growth into the league because that's the only way that they're going to stick around as a coaching staff and a label and a crew. All right. All right, so now we'll go into college football. This is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm here with the Libra Icon. And last night as we record this, college football had their college football national championship game in Alabama. They blew past Ohio State 52-24. Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith had 12 catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. Uh, Unfortunately, it looked like he might have dislocated some fingers uh, as he got tackled as he was trying to catch a ball that he ended up dropping. Uh, So he missed the entire second half, but uh, it really wasn't in doubt. Uh, After Ohio State, who was keeping pace, uh, kicked a field goal to make it uh, 21 to 17. Uh, it was pretty much over because uh, once they did not score that touchdown, Alabama did score another touchdown and another touchdown and another touchdown and another touchdown, and then it was halftime. And it was like, good God! Right, right. right. This, I, I, 
I was going back and forth between this and Raw. Shout out to the wrestling cast. Um, I was going back and forth between this and uh, by the time it was 35-17, I, I was like, okay, this is about to be really, really ugly. And, and then just looking at the score from there was just, it was just like, Are they going to stop? Like it was, it was like that. It was like that. Simpsons being stop, stop. He's already dead. Like that. <laughs> that. That's where it got to. And I was just like, okay, we. I uh, like, we get it. Like uh, this is Alabama's world, and we're just living in it at this point. So yeah, um, um, Alabama uh, finishes undefeated. Only the second Nick Saban team. Uh, during his Alabama run to end up undefeated. Uh, this is his most prolific offensive team by far. Um, we, we've known that, you know, Alabama's gotten it done with suffocating defense and ball control, but this was a totally different flip up as, uh, you know, they could go out there and it looked like they could score anytime they wanted to. They could score as many points as they wanted to. Uh, they could score from any place on the field that they wanted to. And uh, Steve uh, Scarsesian, his last game as the offensive coordinator for Alabama, he had a hell of a night. He's going to go on to coach Texas uh, as their new head coach. But uh, for his last night in Alabama as their offensive coordinator, he dialed up a gym. Uh, Mac Jones looked amazing. Najee Harris looked amazing. Uh, so kudos to Alabama. Nick Saban wins his seventh national championship, the most in the history of college football. He passed Bear Bryant. Uh, Alabama has a total of of uh, 12 national championships uh, as a program. So clearly the, the gold standard in all of college football. And it doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Um, he's 69. Uh, health appears to be good. Um, they've got like <laughs> all the number one receivers from Florida coming into their program uh, next year as freshmen. So um, he's going to have more juice, another top notch quarterback and, um, you know, they're going to lose some players. I think they said they have 13 uh, NFL caliber yeah. players on their team last night. So, I mean, they're going to have some losses. But he's going to reload, and he's going to be back in the mix again next year. So, um, you know, just a, a wonderful, wonderful season. And uh, Devonta Smith definitely has vaulted himself into at least the top three conversation of this year's NFL draft. Now, you know, if those fingers aren't a big deal and he does well to combine, um, I don't see where a team could not consider taking him, especially if you have a young quarterback who needs a receiver. Um, you know, so maybe the Jets, maybe whoever comes into their coaching staff, likes Darwin feels like they can unlock something feel like maybe you know it's just the the curse of Ryan of a Adam Gase kind of be like you know maybe I can get a Ryan Tannehill situation going and then put Devonta Smith along with him as a number two pick man that could be something to help jumpstart Sam Darnold's career you know absolutely absolutely especially since the Jets don't have a true number one receiver. Uh, you know, Robbie Anderson left for Carolina uh, to play for Matt Rule, who played for a Temple. So, then nobody really 
on the Jets stepped up. You would have thought Jameson Crowder would have been that guy, but he really didn't step up like I had thought he would have. Uh, Chris Herndon, a uh, big tight end, uh, he probably was anything close to resembling that. So I think Devontae Smith at number two, that would be a very, very great move for the New York Jets right there. I think the Jets do what a lot of teams do, man. They miss they miss what a player is for their team. Like Jamison Crowder was a productive receiver for the Washington football team, but he's a slot receiver. But you don't you know what I'm saying? He needs one other big time receiver to play on the inside with you know, on the outside of him so he can do what he wants to do. But now if you look at him as your number one guy, that's not really his role. That's not where he's most effective. And and he was out of position this year. And it it showed in his stats the last couple of years. It showed in his stats and his production. He just hasn't put up the same type of production he did uh, with Washington because he's, he's playing a position that's not really suited for what he does best. Um, we'll transition now into the NBA. We just have a few things to talk about here in the NBA. Um, Kyrie Irving. Um, he's taking a leave of absence due to personal reasons. Uh, at first, people were thinking maybe it was because of the COVID situation with how the NBA all of a sudden uh, has gotten ravaged uh, with a bunch of cancellations due to COVID in the past week. Um, then, as more people have started asking questions, uh, something came up about, the uh, you know, he's having a hard time processing uh, the events that took place in the country last Wednesday. Uh, at the Capitol building. So, um, you know, since he was, you know, really outspoken uh, during the summer about, you know, players not showing up to the bubble, uh, being in the mix, protesting, and making their verses, voices heard, and um, doing things besides playing basketball. So, the Brooklyn Nets have dealt with COVID issues early. Kyrie, um, excuse me, Kevin Durant had to miss a few games. Now, Dinwiddie has gotten hurt. Um, what do you make about, you know, Kyrie? Um, is he going to, you know, already we had the self-imposed media boycott and then he lifted that. And now a couple of weeks later, we've got him just kind of MIA, uh, did not, he told the team, but he did not, I mean, he told his teammates, but he did not let the coaching staff know that he was going to be out, uh, due to these personal reasons. So just, you know, your synopsis of, the last couple of weeks in a Kyrie Irving's world. I can't really. Kyrie Irving's a unique individual. That's probably the nicest way I can put it. Because uh, what I really want to say, I, what I really want to say, he's a strange ass motherfucker. But I'll be nice because we don't know what's we don't know what's going on, and so with. It, with that being said, um, Kyrie's always done his own thing, and he's going to do what he feels when he feels in that moment. Uh, there's one thing I have noticed about Kyrie. He's a feeler. He, If he feels something, he's going to go with that feeling, no matter what it is. Uh, no matter how anybody else feels about it, 
he's going to go with that. I mean, the man, the man, didn't he say the world was flat for a long time? Uh, yeah, I think he uh, still believes that, my friend. Yeah, so, so, um, that's a prime example right there. So, um, whatever he's going through, I hope, I hope he can, you know, process what he needs to process, uh, you know, do what he needs to do to get his mental right, uh, so he can get, uh, you know, do what he needs to get his mental right before anything else, and then, you know, when he's ready to get back to the court, he'll be ready to get back to the court and be at his best. I think him stepping away is a sense that, hey, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be or where I need to be for my team. Let me not be a detriment to the team in this aspect in my performance, but you're probably, you know, being a detriment in the sense where you're killing the chemistry. Um, I, it's one of those things where, you know, you just have, you see it from the outside and you want to make the assumption of, some, of what's going on and, you know, when, when things happen, the internet, the internet finds a laugh out of everything. Uh, even if it's borderline tasteless, they're going to find a way to, you know, make it about them. So it's one of those things where, you know, we just got to make sure that he has all the resources around him that he needs to get through what he's going through and and uh, support, you know, whatever he needs, give him whatever he needs so he can be at his best when when the time comes. Uh, early in the season, there had been a lot of talk about what's wrong with Steph Curry. Uh, Steph Curry had uh, been kind of off with his shot. A lot of people were talking about, see, this is what you get when you don't have, you know, Clay uh, running beside him. This is what you get when you don't have Kevin Durant on your team. And then all of a sudden, he explodes for 62 points against the Trailblazers. Uh, I think he made nine three-pointers that particular evening um, in just a spectacular shooting display uh, from the young man. Then he followed that up a couple of games later and uh, had 38. Uh, I think he had like 20-plus 20, 20 in the second half against the Clippers, who are just uh, – who are having a, a awful beginning to the season, uh, trying to you know get their chemistry back together. So, uh, just your thoughts on uh, Steph Curry uh, and the Warriors this year? Uh, they look like you know they're trying to kind of find their groove. Draymond Green starting to play a lot better, getting back to that facilitator role. Uh, you know, captain of the offense uh, role that he had a few years ago, making plays. Um, just you know, your thoughts on what you've seen so far from those guys. Uh, definitely a, a new look of the team. I think, uh, I think, uh, we remember who Steph Curry was. I think he really kind of just showed us that many of us forgot who he was. And now he gave us a huge reminder that, you know, this is still, this is still, uh, his team. 
I would say that the young guys, uh, Wiggins, uh, Ubers has struggled quite a bit uh, offensively, uh, but he's bringing the hustle, uh, which is really good. He's getting uh, the he was uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the core is still there. That's what I'm looking for. The core is still there. Uh, I mean, a minus one with Clay out, but uh, you know, you got Dre and stuff, and you know, basically everybody else, and it's going to be a very uh, interesting. Very interesting trip um, to see what the Warriors will do down the road. Um, maybe they need to make a move uh, to get everything going in their direction. But uh, this team is, it just seems like, I think even when they get better, they just don't look better. That's, and I think. Ever since, and I, I keep saying this. Ever since they, they left for Oakland to San Francisco, things have not just been the same with this team or organization. Um, a couple of teams that are playing really well to start the season off: the Phoenix Suns. If you haven't been watching or paying attention to the Phoenix Suns, they are very, very good. And surprisingly, the. Philadelphia 76ers uh, with the new coach, Doc Rivers. A lot of talk around that team surrounding James Harden, maybe possibly coming in for Ben Simmons. But it hasn't really distracted them as they've, uh, you know, uh, sprinted out to a very good record here in the East. Uh, Atlanta uh, started out undefeated, but they've kind of come back to earth a little bit as well. So just a couple of, uh, you know, early season notes here. Uh, The young man, the young ball uh, out in Charlotte, He's uh, providing a lot of uh, highlights and a lot of excitement for that team. Uh, Youngest player ever to record a triple-double at 19 years old. So he's he's definitely, um, you know, uh, providing that juice and that excitement that the the brass for Charlotte hoped he would bring with his playmaking ability. So, um, and Zach Levine. Uh, a superstar that's often forgot about because he plays for Chicago, but he hit 10 three pointers the other day uh, on his route to a career day. So um, just some of the, the early highlights of the NBA season. Oh, uh, uh, who'd I forget? Gordon Hayward. Well, I haven't seen anything that happened with Gordon Hayward. What's, what's he been doing? He has averaged 22 and a half points a game. Five rebounds, four assists, 50% from the field, 40 from three, 93% from the free throw line. And he had a 40-point game the other night. Um, basically, we, a lot of us kind of maligned the, the Hornets for that contract. I mean, it's still earlier in the season, but... So far, it's been a pretty good return uh, return on the investment. I mean, there's still plenty of plenty of season left. Yeah, he had 44. He had 44 against the Hawks. Uh, 34 against the Knicks the other night. Uh, he dropped 26 against the Pelicans on national television. Uh, he had 26 and seven rebounds. 
So Gordon Hayward's been playing uh, very well, and even even with the broken finger on top of that. And lastly, for this episode of Know the Score, we're going to just talk about the new protocols that the NBA has uh, set in place. Uh, they're basically not allowing team meetings. Uh, team meetings inside a locker room now have to take place with everybody wearing a mask. They would like for most of your uh, team meetings before, uh, you know, during practice, uh, shoot arounds and things like that to take place on the courts where people can be social distance. Uh, they're going to have. Um, essential personnel that uh, for the team outside of the um, you know team be tested twice a week uh, if they have any act, in, interactions with the players and non team guests are no longer allowed at team hotels starting today so all <laughs> the little extracurriculars yeah all the extracurricular activities that these gentlemen like to engage in is gonna have to see sir be done under a whole lot of cloak and dagger now um but maybe you know some people are trying out depending on who you are i'm pretty sure you can still get your guests uh, into your hotel room, depending on where your status lies on the team. But yes, the NBA um, not doing the bubble and going through a lot of the same issues we saw with college football, MLB, uh, when you have these guys in close contact with each other on the court after games, interacting, uh, traveling through the country as well. Uh, uh, host of games just got canceled for this evening right before we started the podcast so yeah the NBA is definitely going to have to tighten up their protocols uh, if they don't want to uh, lose uh, any more games uh, to COVID than they already have so and, and on top of that too they're going to have to really because some of these teams share arenas with the NHL with their NHL counterparts and the NHL starts back up tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it's definitely going to have to be a lot of tightening up between both teams. Like examples, uh, the Blackhawks and Bulls, the Kings, Clippers, and Lakers, the Knicks and the Rangers, et cetera, et cetera. So Celtics Bruins. Yeah, yeah. So uh, good luck to the NBA moving forward. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, none of these players are um, affected in a, in a negative way who have uh, come down with these symptoms. Hopefully there are mild cases with them being, uh, you know, top-notch athletes. Uh, you know, their bodies can handle uh, the, the virus uh, better than uh, most of us can. So Hopefully nobody uh, gets really sick and nobody has to go to the hospital or anything like that. So at this point, Mr. Dwayne, I'm going to turn it over to you for your final thoughts and your uh, shout outs and thank yous. All right. So my final thought was going to be going to Hayward, but I kind of let that cat out the bag earlier. So my final thought is going to be NHL season starts tomorrow. Uh, 56 games on the docket, four divisions. Uh, you have the North with all the Canadian teams. You have the East, the Central, and the West. Uh, basically, a lot of these teams are going to be uh, – basically, they want to just keep all the teams close together. 
like for example, the Central Division uh, basically has the teams in the Upper Midwest and the Southeast. So the Blue Jackets, Blackhawks, Predators, Panthers, Lightning, Stars, the Hurricanes, and the Detroit Red Wings. All the teams in the East, so most of them is basically the Northeast, uh, Megapolis, um, and Pittsburgh. So Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, Philly, Rangers, Islanders, Devils, and the uh, Buffalo Sabres. The North, all the Canadian teams, Calgary, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and Edmonton. Then, of course, the teams out West. I think probably the one that kind of struck me odd was Minnesota being in this division, but Vegas, L.A., uh, Minnesota, Anaheim, Arizona, St. Louis, San Jose, and Colorado. Uh, Basically, the teams will be playing their division opponents multiple times for the 56 games, uh, leading to a 16-team Stanley Cup playoff. And... And then uh, once the playoffs begin, it'll be a quest for Louis Stanley. Is that is that gonna be? Is it's gonna be just uh, f- is the best sixteen teams? We're just gonna take the best sixteen, regardless of divisions or whatever. That's a good question. I'm about to check that out right now. So give me just a moment. But I want to say it's the top four of the top four in each division. Mm-hmm. And and uh, let's see, twenty twenty one NHL season. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, there it is. Okay, so the playoff format is uh, where are we at playoffs. Here we go. So yeah, so the top four teams will qualify under the temporary alignment. The first two rounds of the playoffs will be uh, so it'll be one versus four and two versus three in that particular division. And then um, the winners of those will play the the divisional, probably like the divisional championship, then the conference final, then the Stanley Cup final. Okay. All right. Uh, Very – it's going to be interesting to see how this – the new divisions work and if this is something that they may – try to stick with going forward, like you said, since they've got kind of everybody grouped more geographically uh, together uh, next year, uh, if this is going to stick or if we're going to go back to our traditional uh, 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 divisions and conferences that that, that we've known. Yeah, for now, they're saying it's temporary, but I think if, uh, if it does get enough traction or if this uh, pandemic rages on hopefully not but if it does rage on they may have to keep it that way for the time being right right any shout outs and thank yous uh shout outs to you shout out to uh the cspn all the listeners uh, you know my uh shout out to um you know anybody that's listening as well also, shout out to the hockey writers. Uh, I will, uh, if all goes well with this final post, I will be a full-fledged um, writer for the hockey writers working with the National Predators. So I do want to kind of let that out the bag. I will make an official announcement next time if it's successful, but uh, definitely been a pleasure to work 
uh, these last few weeks with them and kind of get things jump started for myself. So, all right, good luck with that. And, uh, you know, the Nashville Predators. Uh, I'd like to just give my final thoughts on just, uh, you know, football in general. Just a great weekend. Um, I thought the NFL really has hit a home run with the extra playoff team in each uh, each each conference, giving us those three games on um, both days. Very entertaining. Um, so that's definitely something that I think they're going to keep around. That we're that that's going to be a new staple. Uh, that Super Wild Card weekend, uh, three games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, just very entertaining, good football, high-level football, playoff football. Um, so can't ask for anything more than that. Um, just give a big shout-out to you, Dwayne. Give a big shout-out to all the listeners, to everybody here on the CSPN, everybody who listens to Know the Score each and every week. We gladly appreciate it. Um, continue to support the podcast over on CSPN.us. Click on that tab that says Keep Our Podcast Free. Uh, do any shopping uh, from any of those sponsors, and some of your purchase will come back to the CSPN to keep Know the Score free each and every week. So, for my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.